Good morning, uh, another nice day, lockdown in the backyard here. Um, I seem to have an interesting time uh, with these videos. Uh, when I record them on my phone, they look perfectly fine. And sometimes when I put them on on Facebook, it looks like my, uh, well, it looks like I'm transfigured. So if you find this video looks like that, oh well, sorry about that. Um, my focus probably is not really on the quality of the video. Uh, I'm not aiming to become some sort of a viral video, whatever you might call it. Um, uh, so I did that uh, deconstructed Bible study, um, and the only reason I called it that was because I wrote it as a as one message for a church that I was due to visit uh, this uh, well, actually yesterday, and uh, now that we uh, have been thrown into uh, what is now you know an extended lockdown, um, I decided I'd just break it up. I was pretty excited about it. And so I broke it up and shared it. And uh, thanks very much to those of you that have uh, sent messages and, uh, you know, personal messages encouraging me. And, uh, you know, my goal really is uh, to encourage to encourage you. Like many of you are here, like me, you're here in New Zealand and we are, we're in our homes. And, um, and uh, this has been a, an interesting and a turbulent season. I saw something interesting on the news yesterday. Um, where of course we've been very proud of our COVID status here in New Zealand. You know, we've been boasting about how our stadiums are full and we're playing rugby and cricket and having, you know, big sports events and concerts and everything. And now, you know, rugby is our national obsession for many people. Uh, now they're talking about the need to move what was supposed to be played here and in Australia, they're talking about moving it to the UK, which was a place that we used to uh, compare ourselves with quite favourably. And now the shoe is kind of on the other foot. So just, just an interesting observation. So uh, this this week, I'm just going to do a, a, a few simple Bible studies around Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. But before we get to that, I was looking at this this morning. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. And uh, I felt like the Lord said to me uh, last year uh, that his dunamis power, the dunamis power, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit was going to uh, be seen to be resting on the word of God, that his power was not going to rest on our opinions or our experimental theologies, but on the everlasting nature, the immovable stability and the absolute trustworthiness of the word of God. Now, I think uh, that's, that's a pretty good thing. Uh, but I also think that the shaking of uh, recent days um, in our land and around the world has exposed some significant fragility in the church. And it has highlighted that we're not really equipped for times of trial, uh, if we're not equipped for for what's going on now, which at the very at the very most is the beginning of the birth pains, how on earth would we navigate a period of tribulation? And this was one of my favourite Bible verses that I talked about last year a lot when we uh, when we originally came into this whole experience of having a worldwide pandemic. 
It's Jeremiah 12.5. If you've run with the footmen and they've wearied you, how will you contend with horses? So if you can't run fast enough to keep up with the, the footmen, how will you compete with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, how will you deal in the floodplain of the Jordan? So he's saying, in the land of peace, if you're running out of steam, how will you deal with rougher terrain? So uh, there's an urgency there or uh, an urging there rather to prepare for days ahead that are perhaps more challenging than the days that we are in. Now, uh, this fragility, this being ill-equipped for times of trial, uh, this is my opinion, and I might sound like I'm being a bit blunt here, but I think a large contributing factor has been the here and now focus of what we preach in the church. We preach comfort, convenience and prosperity, all focused in this life. We we have we might not say it quite like this, but there's this this underlying message, come to Jesus, all your problems will go away. That has not been my experience. Uh, there is no tribulation, either the great tribulation or no real tribulation in the Christian life, no meaningful spiritual opposition. And we talk a lot about blessings, but we tend to define blessings as worldly possessions, worldly favor, etc., etc. And the end result is, and this again is my opinion, you may or may not agree with this, but I believe this unbiblical, worldly, shakable theology has left uh, many believers with the wrong focus, with a counterfeit hope and a deep vulnerability. Jesus said this, John 16.33, in this world you will have tribulation. The word tribulation is pressure. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Uh, Paul put it quite bluntly like this, 2 Timothy 3.12, in fact everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So the moment you start talking about this sort of thing, some people find that a bit unsettling. But here's what I, I believe about that. In Psalm 139, verse 16, it says, it talks about we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And it says this, all the days ordained for us were written in God's book before we lived the first one. So not only did he create us, he created us for days that he planned for us. So you would have to think that if we were created and God knew the days that we were planned for, that we were created for those days. I'll give you an example. And some of you have heard me say this, but many years ago when my daughter, who's now in her mid-twenties, was um, was coming up to her 10th birthday, we uh, I took her to America. And we were on a, a 747 and it flew into some wild turbulence. Like uh, I've had lots of turbulence on little planes over the years, but this was a big plane. And the plane dropped so significantly that we lifted off our seats and tugged on our seat belts and then it went into a sharp left-hand turn and was shaking violently and I can remember Courtney asked me is this normal and I said no and then she said are we going to be okay and I said to her yes we are because I know from watching air crash investigation <laughs> which is a strange thing when I used to do a lot of travel that that was a favorite show of mine I know that the plane is built for this. And so we are living in times of shaking and we need to realize that we were, we're not here by chance, but this is what we were built for. So have no fear, you are built for this. So Romans 5, 1 through 5. And this is what we're just going to go through verse by verse. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have 
access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So following on from that verse by verse study on Acts 16, this week, I'm just going to have a look at this uh, at this passage in a very simple verse by verse way. I thoroughly believe that God blesses us in this life. No question. But we need to remember that he is not at work to feed our fleshly desires, but to kill them. He is moving, he is at work moving our focus from this life into the life that is to come. And ultimately his highest goal, everything that he's doing in our life, he is at work to prepare a bride for his son. So a significant focus of what I'm going to talk to you about this week is simply this hope that does not disappoint. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So Paul puts it this bluntly. He says a quote unquote gospel that only has hope in this life is powerless and it is pitiful. And so our gospel is not only about this life. Yes, there are blessings in this life, but that is not the focus of the gospel. So let's have a simple look at verse one together. If you've got it, get it in front of you. Romans five, verse one. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Here's the first thing. We are justified by faith. It is by putting our faith and hope in Christ that we are justified before God. By this faith, the rightful penalty of sin that was against us is cancelled by the blood of Jesus. I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian household, but I remember when I was little, I used to have this dream over and over and over again of being given a cup to drink that was far beyond my capacity to drink it, this enormous cup, and I had to drink it, but I couldn't drink it. The Bible tells us that Jesus drank the cup of the wrath of God. He drank what we could never drink. He paid what we could never pay. Justification before God cannot be earned. It is a gift to us that was purchased by Jesus. Romans 4 verse 3 says this, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Just behind me in the room behind is our dining room. And I had an interesting conversation there with some real estate agents a few weeks ago. One of them said to me, I'm not very religious. And she was surprised when I said, me neither. Because she knows that, you know, that I'm a, a believer. She knows that I'm a, uh, involved in church leadership. And so she was a bit surprised. But I said to her, no, religion is man or woman trying to earn their way to being right with God. But the Christian faith flips that upside down and God came to us to pay the price that we could never pay. My experience has been people who think that they have earned their justification, they always seem to become very self-righteous and arrogant. Next part, now because we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Wow. 
because we are justified by faith, because by faith we receive the penalty of sin being cancelled and we are justified, we are made right with God, we have peace with God. This is amazing. James 4.8 says this, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. In the front room of our house, so behind is the dining room and then there's a front room that looks out. In fact, you can see the window there, just right, right there in the corner, there's a, a window. It looks out over the reserve. I often sit there in the darkness in the morning. I did it this morning. And sometimes when I'm sitting there, there's no noise, there's nothing going on. But there is this deep knowing that I have an open line of communication and fellowship with God. Instead of sitting there in shame and failure or sitting there in striving and stress, Jesus has made me right with God and therefore I am justified before him. I can't boast of having earned this. All I did was I said yes and received the promise by faith. And the peace with God that is a result of that is an immense treasure, both for now and for the eternity that is to come. I don't know where you're at right now, but you can't earn that. It's a gift to you given by God that we receive by faith. And then the final part of this verse, it says, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first part was uh, uh, we are justified by faith not by works. Because of this justification, we have peace with God. We are made right with God. And it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all through him. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except they come through me. John 10, 7 through 10, then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except they come, what? Through me. It's all through our Lord Jesus Christ. The uh, the place of centrality and supremacy that Jesus has cannot be overstated, nor should it be minimized. Someone said this to me. Oh, I was a few years ago now. They said this to me. They said uh, they, they were a part of a particular ministry and they said this to me. They said, well, you know, the son has had his time and the Holy Spirit has had his time. And now it is the father's time. What a load of tripe. We have a Father, we have a, a Son, we have a Holy Spirit, we have a triune God, perfect unity. But everything that we have in the Holy Spirit, everything we have in access to the Father is through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I don't know what's happening in your world today. I don't know where you are. Some, most of you, I suppose, will be watching this in New Zealand. Some will be watching it from overseas, from uh, from my backyard here. God bless you. And... Uh, all things being equal, we'll do another verse tomorrow.